0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is episode 62, we're doing a special on Sweden and we're in November 2015. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. The Phileas Club is a show where we get together every month or so and we uh, explore and discuss the different things that have been happening in that month with the eye of our local culture and local uh, news reporting. So usually we have people from different parts of the world and we compare and contrast and discuss how we see the events that unfold in the world. This episode, though, is another special episode. Um, I started that with uh, Turkey last month. We did a special on uh, Saudi Arabia, and uh, it, was, it was really fun. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we are going to be doing another one just a month after. I'm not sure we're going to be doing one every month, but uh, this time we had an opportunity to get Turkey... Uh, Turkey... Breki on the show. I'm almost married to Turkey now. I I spend so much time with him on podcasts. How's it going, Tre- Brecky? <laughs> I'm I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm very I'm very well. Um so you are from Sweden. People who are familiar with the show will have heard you a couple of times at least already. So you're living in Sweden now, but you are actually from Iceland originally, which means right. you're going to be speaking for the entirety of Scandinavia, because we have two out of four.
1: Okay, uh, I'll see what I can do.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So we're going to be doing a uh, Sweden special with some uh, bleeding over to Scandinavia. And I think the show is going to be more or less the same thing uh, as it was for Saudi Arabia, trying to find out how people actually live in Sweden and... And I think the most uh, one of the most interesting things that I'm sure we're going to get into at some point is that image that Sweden has of a uh, wonderful socialist country where, you know, there is socialism, kind of, but also the highest standards of living, the, uh, an incredible amount of equality in the country and society. And that's the image, at least. But before we get into that, Tell me, Brecky, uh, how long have you been living in Sweden? Where, what's your, what's your, where has you, your life taken you? Well, I was born in
1: Iceland back in 1980. And uh, the entire family moved to Sweden in 1984. So I've been in Sweden for most of my life. My connection to Iceland is very weak. Um, I, I hardly ever go there. I mean, the last time I was in Iceland must have been, oh, uh, seven years ago, I think.
0: So um, do you consider yourself Swedish?
1: Uh yes, yes I do. I've got Swedish uh, citizenship and everything. So um you know, I'm I'm only really Icelandic in blood. I'm Swedish by uh, you know, by in heart. Yes. Yes, in heart. In well, mind. I I don't know. I'm I'm I've traveled to 30 something, 35, 36 countries at the moment. I've spent a lot of time wow. abroad and uh, I I consider myself a a citizen of the world in in many ways. So it's it's very easy for me to look at Sweden from an outside perspective as well, because I've spent so much time in, you know, the Middle East, in Africa, in North America, in, in Asia and so on.
0: So, so. wait a second, before we, we dive into Sweden, and we will, 30 uh, some countries, is that something that you decided one day, I'm going to travel or, you know, and you spent a lot of time everywhere? Or did you just, you know, go on, on one week or three days vacations to lots of places and that's how you reach the astounding number of 30.
1: Uh, none of the above. It's um, as a part of my work, actually. I've been uh, traveling a lot through uh, the Middle East and Asia mainly and uh, Africa um, for uh, technical training in a product that my company does. So I, I spend a lot of time with the customer, teaching them the product and spending time, you know, around their office, around the um, uh, the city centers, depending on, you know, what kind of country you're in. So... I've spent a lot of time in countries most people never ever go to, like Guinea-Bissau or Chad and um, even Cameroon. I spent uh, a very interesting night in Cameroon before they kicked me out of the country.
0: (laughs) Okay. Is that the kind of night we shouldn't ask about in a public forum and we should wait until we meet and have a beer to, (laughs) to discuss?
1: We, we can save that for another show, I suppose. All
0: right. Okay. Um, so the first question I asked uh, Turkey, and I think it's appropriate for any country, so I'm going to ask you uh, the same question, was uh, what stereotype about Sweden, or, you know, if you, you want to generalize uh, Sweden to Scandinavia, feel free to do that. But uh, what stereotype about Sweden is the most annoying to Swedes and to you in particular? Well, the, the common one is everybody mixes up
1: Sweden and Switzerland, um, but that, that's oh, not really? so much. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I mean, we, we say, you know, if I'm abroad and I say I'm from Sweden and they're like, oh, with the cuckoo clocks and the chocolates. <laughs> no, no. And that and, gets to you? Yes, yes, it does. And it's funny, I was doing a podcast just about a month ago with somebody from Switzerland and she said the very same thing. They, they always get them mixed up with Sweden for some that
0: reason. That is so weird. Yeah. Okay. You know, they, so it's they
1: both not- start in SW, but then so does Swaziland.
0: <laughs> I guess so. Um, so it's not like the IKEA things. Like, oh, they they go and and invent some ridiculous name of some IKEA piece of furniture and go like, oh, don't you like the Burgluft? And There you- is there
1: is some of that. Uh, okay. A little bit, depending on which uh, nationality the person you're talking to uh, is from. Um, a lot of Americans they they go immediately to the the Swedish chef from the Muppets and go oh it's Sweden yeah bork bork bork. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of that, and also in in many parts of Europe. And this is especially obvious for my uh, my female friends when they're in Europe and they say oh we're we're from Sweden oh you're from Sweden interesting well um, so um, so how is Sweden yeah so tell me more. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So you're, I, I'm sensing a hint of uh, uh, flirtation in there. Is, is yes. that what you're trying to say?
1: Very much so. Because Swedes have this reputation of being very loose sexually. And while this is actually true in some, some respect, <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, the, the average Swedish person has more sexual partners than most European countries' um, average sexual partners. But it's not by, you know, leaps and bounds. It's not 40 compared to eight. Right, right, right. You know, a a, a few more. So Um,
0: is that because people get drunk and then uh, do weird things? Because my understanding is is that that's the way it happens in Finland, because people (laughs) get depressed because of the nighttime. And uh, so for those who don't know, in that latitude, uh, the winters become extremely, uh, have really long nights and very short uh, daytime. It's basically six hours of day and and the sun doesn't go very much over the horizon. So people have a tendency to get depressed, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, up in the very far north of Sweden, um, an area called uh, Riksgrensen, which is basically the border between Sweden and the north of Norway, Um, There are 32 days of pure darkness where the sun never even rises. 30 Days of
0: Night is a movie that I saw with vampires. It was interesting. Mm.
1: Then again, that area also gets 56 days of pure daylight.
0: Right, right, of course. Where the sun never sets. That is also kind of, it's scary, but it's not as, it doesn't sound as depressing as 30 Days of Night. So uh, getting back to the sexual proclivity, Mm -hmm. is that something that is, you're saying it's kind of true. Why, Why would it be true? Um,
1: I, th- I think it has um, it has a lot of different reasons, uh, and one of the reasons I think is Sweden is one of the most secular countries in the world. We we don't have a lot of religious laws and um, you know prohibitions telling us um, what kinds of morals to have. Um, instead, we kind of just make it up as we go, and a lot of people you know feel that um, there's really no need to to have any sexual morals. You know, if, if you want to go have dinner with someone, sure, go have dinner with someone. If you, if you feel you have to go to the bathroom, sure, go to the bathroom. If you feel you want to have sex, sure, have sex. It's, it's, you know, in that kind of area, it's, you know, it's something people do.
0: When you're saying go to the bathroom, are you also including this as a group activity or? uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, it's more,
1: you know, the, the relationship people have to bodily functions and bodily desires.
0: Ah, I see. I see. So it's not, nothing is dirty. Nothing is forbidden or, you know, because just because it is. it, it Right. Right. Right.
1: I mean, to, to some people, absolutely. Uh, and this might be a bit of a generational thing as well. Uh, but in general, my impression, or th- this might just be the people that I meet and hang out with, of course, um, which would be nice. Uh, in general, it's, it's just the, the feeling that I get that people are generally a bit more open about their sexualities. I mean, there's even, you know, online communities here in Sweden that are all about, you know, say just the BDSM crowd and they have tens of thousands of, uh, of members, people just, you know, hooking up because they have a shared interest in their own sexual fetish.
0: Hmm. I guess it happens in every country, but it seems like it's more, it's less guilt ridden in, yeah. in Sweden. Uh, right. Okay, so what is, uh, maybe that's the one, but uh, what is the stereotype about Sweden that is the most true?
1: Um, I would have to say the, the one that's most true is that we are a very reserved people. We, um, we don't wear our feelings on the outside and we don't, um, we don't talk to people if we don't have to and so on. I mean, we, we're the kind of people who would avoid our high school friend if we accidentally see them in the store. And even if it's been five to 10 years since we saw them, if we notice them, we, we just you know, change aisles because it's Why? You know, we, we don't want to talk to people. That, that's, that's weird. You know, unless you're asking for directions, maybe then you can talk to a stranger. Um, but you
0: you know I it could so, be. so you mean it feels uncomfortable to talk to someone?
1: Yes, um, you know that's a lot of something... people are very reserved here. Um, and and this is not rudeness or anything like that. I mean once you once you become friends with someone, Swedes are as warm and as friendly and as kind and generous as you know anybody else out there. But it's um, it's this entire idea about um the private space. We we don't. Invade people's private spaces without being very, very clear that it's okay. And we, we feel very um, uncomfortable when other people do that to us.
0: Uh, my wife has been telling me about the social awkwardness of Finns for a long time. And it seems that there is some of that in Sweden as well. Yeah, it's and- very similar. Mm. Um, So actually, that uh, leads us into the next sort of discussion I want to have. For some reason, I have this um, idea that it's interesting to get to understand how a a young uh, teenager's school day goes. And that's one of the questions I asked Turkey again. Um, So I'm going to do that with you, too. Basically, given that, you know, I think it's even more interesting with the social awkwardness, uh, for for someone who goes to school, I guess you just get up in the winter. You get up, it's dark. You go to school, it's dark. You meet people, it's dark. Like, does that not just the darkness? But how does a a, a day of a school person go? Is there any difference with uh the the way it goes in other countries, or is there anything interesting there? I don't think it's
1: it's all that different. Um, we we follow more or less the same structure as most European countries do when it comes to schooling, where we have you know. Their first um, nine years of primary school and then three years of secondary school. The uh, nine years are obligatory. The three follow-up years are um, uh, they're voluntary. And then we have universities and so on after. Uh, but as for, as for the day itself, I mean, no, most people just wake up. They commute to work. They do their classes. Um, there's a bit more focus nowadays on more uh, independent learning. So you, you kind of build up the program that you want to study yourself uh, to a larger How does extent. that work? Um, not very well. Uh, if, you look, <laughs> if you look at the uh, the PISA scores for Sweden, they've actually been dropping quite significantly. Uh, and there are many different explanations as to why this is. Um,
0: but, s- sorry, I just want to uh, harken back to the social awkwardness thing, because my impression of Sweden is that there is a lot of homogenization in the population, and, and maybe even with the kids, kind of... <sighs> there there are the harmony in swedish society seems to come from a, a big amount of uh of similarity in classes and uh people and populations and so coupled with the social awkwardness it seems to me that there is a lot of of uh you know everyone kind of belongs to the same group and that is manifested in the even the looks and the things you like, and so is that me being completely out of the uh, uh, out of touch with the reality of Sweden?
1: Um, it, it's true to a certain extent, absolutely. Um, I mean, we we do obviously have you know we have subcultures, we have immigrants, we have all kinds of things that make it so that we're not a completely homogenized uh, society. Not everyone is six foot tall, named Sven, and has <laughs> blonde hair. Um,
0: no, you but know. you know, you're talking about the hair, but. There is a very specific type of haircut that I associate with Swedish uh guys
1: yeah i, I, I know what you mean I so, do know what you mean
0: and that is that is weird actually it's like yeah. and and they all have the same like to the side and like boys band ish thing, which sometimes doesn't look very good by the way, but doesn't fit everyone no so doesn't that come from some kind of weird group thing homo- homogenization thing? I,
1: I don't know. I'm, I suppose it very well might be. But then again, I mean, most people just, you know, they, they cut their hair according to the looks that they see around them. And um, when and they all the have the same ones.
0: So they see everything. I, I'm, I'm, again, generalizing here, but.
1: I, I don't know. Um, I, mm. I honestly don't know. I mean, we, we can see the same thing in, in lots of areas of the world where, you know, there's a very obvious um, and without stereotyping here, there's a very obvious Russian look. Um, Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Young young Russian men. You you get an image in your head about what a young Russian man looks like and what he wears and the kind of, you know, sports Adidas clothes he's wearing at the moment or something. Um, (laughs) There's a very specific look that you associate to a lot of areas and places. And, you know, in in Sweden, that look might have been, you know, tall, blonde and beautiful um, (laughs) for for a long time until people started seeing what Swedes actually look like. Um, but yeah, the the Swedish haircut. Uh, I I know what you mean, and it's it's definitely it's a just, thing. Yeah,
0: I guess it's possibly that it's just a a, a, a you know fashion style in Sweden in the right. last few years. But um, so okay, uh, awkwardness coupled with uh, sexual proclivity to an extent, but and the uh, relative lack of uh, religious morals. Again, teenagers uh is does that make the day of a teenager what's the pressure like for a kid growing up in sweden do you have like the same because i know that in the us for example you have the clicks and it does play a relatively heavy role in high schools from you know not just the movies or the tv shows that i've seen but really talking to people it seems that is based in reality Uh, obviously it's exaggerated in the Culture in the media, but and in france we we don't have that, or at least I didn't when I was growing up. It wasn't people were not in different groups, and you weren't judged by the group you were in. Um, how does it go in in sweden
1: it's It's pretty much the same here as you've experienced in france we We don't have these cliques in the same way. It's not the jocks versus the nerds versus the cheerleaders versus the metalheads versus the Goths and so on. Um, but all of these people do exist in some ways, but we, we don't have the same kind of grouping, uh, grouping together. And I I think part of that is we don't have the same mentality that, you know, the, the jocks, let's push them into the sports team and uh, create this huge culture around them. And then let's create this, um, artificial construct of the cheerleaders and so on. Um, it's cause sometimes I feel that in American culture, that kind of thing is encouraged. Um, if not. Explicitly than at least implicitly. Mm-hmm. Um here in Sweden instead, you know, we everybody comes to the same classroom, they all do more or less the same work because we all want to do exactly the same thing and become exactly the same person when we grow up. Um that's me being bitter with the <laughs> <socialist>
0: <laughs> no, but see, mentality. No, but see, you're you're kind of referring to something I was alluding to earlier and that you kind of disputed. Mm. Uh where does that we all want to, you know, we do the same work and we all wanna become the same person? Uh, Remark come from?
1: Well, for a long time, we've um, Sweden has had a very left-wing government for most of its modern existence. Uh, it started to change in the seventies and then shifted back to a left-wing government, and then we've had right-wing governments, or you know, as far right as it gets in Sweden, um, which is still you know far left of the Democrats in the United States. Um, so, so we've, you know, we've shifted back and forth, but for most of Swedish history, it's been left-wing governments, the social Democrats, so to speak. Um, and a big part of what they've done, especially in education is they've picked specific courses, specific knowledge, specific, um, structures that they believe everyone should know and should understand to be, um, a citizen, I suppose. They, I mean, it's, you don't do a citizenship test or anything like that, but, they, um, they've decided specific um, terms and goals. And, you know, everybody needs to have read these books. Everybody needs to have understood these courses and so on. Um, this is beginning to change. Like I mentioned, there's more individual choices now in school, although it's far from what you can see in some other countries.
0: But, but that explains kind of the, you know, education uniformity, but it doesn't explain why you all want to have the same job and be the same person as you, you explained earlier.
1: I think part of that is simply because a lot of people just haven't um, broken free of that pattern, I think. There is more and more of that coming around now, or at least that's what I'm experiencing from the the younger generations. My, my, I mean, me and people younger than me, uh, is that there, there's a lot of people who are, you know, finally trying to go their own way and doing their own thing and being more inspired by, say, the American culture or the British culture or, you know, something that's very different and and doing something very unique trying to make money on the internet creating a podcasting empire and stuff like that you know this just wasn't done people they they went to school they went to high school then they got a job at ericsson and then (laughs) 50 years later they retired from ericsson with their gold watch and just lived off state pensions
0: so that was the the usual way things worked in sweden and when would you say that has started to change
1: very gradually since the 80s, I would say. Okay. Um, the, the 80s was basically when the, um, uh, the entire idea... Because we, we have this idea in Sweden called Volkemet, which is um, basically the people's home. Uh, it, it's this concept. It's a, it's a metaphor for a um, uh, politically organized society. Let me just read the... Um, the uh, definition from Wikipedia here. It's a political concept that played an important role in the history of the Swedish Social Democratic Party and the Swedish welfare state. Uh, It's sometimes used to refer to the long period between 1932 and 1976, when the Social Democrats were in power and the concept was put into practice. It's it's basically this midway between capitalism and socialism, where the entire society is like a small family where everyone contributes. (laughs) And in the... In the very end of the 70s, they, they say 1976 here, which, you know, makes sense, but it's probably closer to the early 80s when it actually started changing, where, um, you know, we, we started getting influence from other kinds of political minds than the um, fairly socialist, th- this Marxist-Leninist um, doctrine of, um, you know, because they, they basically wanted to create a society without major income differences and so on. And that, sure, it went okay, but it didn't go very well because
0: so let let me let me stop you there um the the socialism that you're you have in sweden i think by the world standard would be considered you know social democratism yes (laughs) um uh social democracy definitely and it's not like you were referencing marx and lenin it's not communism it's very different and i want to stress that out for those who might think especially in the us oh socialism oh my god no one can own anything and the state has everything and redistributes that is not the case but the the socialism is a little bit more nuanced you you can of course have uh uh entrepreneurship it's sometimes encouraged and it's just that the state is going to provide for all of the citizens some basic services. And it seems that it's working very well in Sweden. You're saying that it didn't work out so well, but it, it, Sweden is one of the most, you know, the richest uh, countries in the world. And, and it seems that everyone has the standard of living is very high, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So how does it not work? I'm not sure. I understand. Everyone's happy.
1: <laughs> right. Um,
0: to, just to read, redefine
1: terms, social democracy, it's, it's a political ideology um, that supports both economic and social intervention by government in order to promote social justice within the framework of capitalist economy. So so the government is basically providing um, state provisions like welfare, pensions, um, collective bargaining arrangements. They regulate the economy. They redistribute income and wealth. The uh, they they have a representative democracy and so
0: on. But you know, that's what we have in France. And oh, yeah, for the, the most part. Sure. But the,
1: the French system is very
0: similar. Exactly. But it doesn't seem like we have the, the standard of, of living that you guys have. I mean, you have things like, let's talk specifics now. You have, for example, uh, maternity and paternity leaves that are outrageous to anyone who is not in the nordic region um you have what it's 18 months to share between the father and the mother right it's you have uh you know free education free health care free uh, uh uh unemployment benefits and everything all of this works
1: mm. doesn't it yeah, um, more or less. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how,
0: is it, how is this not, as I was joking on, on Twitter and Facebook earlier, how is this not a socialist paradise?
1: Um, I think one of the reasons people don't consider this a, a socialist paradise is when a lot of people look at socialism, they expect something so much more. They, they're looking at Marxist or Leninist um, philosophy. They're not okay, looking let, at, at what okay. we see here.
0: But let's, let's put that aside. Let's say, how is this not a, a social democrat success story? Or even let's take political ideology out of the equation. And let's just look at the standard of living. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like one of the most successful countries in that sense in the world? Is in, it, you, you in many s- ways, yes. Mm. Um, but, I,
1: I think the, the problem that people have it doesn't necessarily come from a, how much money do I have? Uh, or how, how, how comfortable is life and so on. I, I think the, the biggest problem, at least from, from Swedes here, is um, a lot of people just feel that they, they don't have any control over their own lives because big daddy government takes care of everything. Um, so if, if I wanted <sighs> to spend more money on um, making my own life more successful, I can't because more than half of my money is already taken from me uh, when my paycheck comes. Um, so a lot of people say, you know, what if, what if I don't want to stand in queue for my uh, jaw surgery or whatever? I don't want to stand in queue for this socialist um, welfare state um, hospital uh, and stand in queue for, you know, three months or so. I want to go to this private clinic where I can pay more of my own money, but I don't have a queue. Um, a lot of people are waking up to this kind of thinking. But maybe, so maybe they want saying- to go to a private school. Um, that, you know, the government is already taking a lot of money for you to pay for your schooling. So why would you pay more money to send your kid to a private school when you're already paying for the public
0: school? So you're saying that you can do that, but it's just you you don't have any money left to do it. And when I say you don't have enough money left, uh, it depends on who you are, obviously. But uh, yeah, they're already taking a lot of money. But you could, in theory. It's not like private schools are forbidden.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sweden is ranked fifth in the uh, global tax burden report. There are only four countries in the world where the citizens are taxed higher than Sweden.
0: Okay, and that is not a super I don't know, I again stereotypes. I have this image that Swedes are are very happy with this thing and they have this uh how did you call it folkuset folkuset uh, folkhemmet. Folkhemmet, sorry. <laughs> um folkhemmet idea where at least that's what I, I'm hearing from my wife again. Um, the, the sort of uh, Protestant uh, uh, morals, and you were saying there, there aren't so many um, religious constraints in society, but the Protestant aspects of it makes every th- everyone a good worker and everyone's happy about the fact that, yes, we all support each other and it works and everyone's happy. You're saying that's not the case. Not everyone is happy about that state of affairs. Uh, not so
1: much no um, it 's on, on the surface that is absolutely how things appear to be, um, but there are a lot of um, a lot of um, how do I put this a lot of pressure points in the country where things are not as good as they could have been um, where for example, the welfare state is experiencing a lot of pressure due to the increased immigration over the past couple of years, so a lot of people are are actually very afraid that maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there's just not going to be enough money for their pensions. Maybe mm-hmm. there's not going to be enough, you know, people to take care of uh, healthcare or schooling and so on. So the, the entire welfare idea is a good one. Uh, but a lot of people are afraid that maybe it's not the best one.
0: Interesting. So I, I want to get to the questions that people on Facebook and elsewhere asked. But before that, um, I do want to tackle the question of gender equality, because, again, it seems that Sweden is this country where everyone is, ha, you know, is very attached to the idea of gender equality and females, uh, women have the most rights of, you know, any country in the world, Um is that the case? Is that an exaggeration? Is it what?
1: Um, Many people consider Sweden the best place to be to be a woman, in, in my opinion. I mean, here we are two white guys talking about this, so it's, it's maybe not the most accurate thing. But yes, uh, the, the World Economic Forum's gender gap index um, puts Sweden very, very high. We used to be first. Now we're fourth. Um, there's a couple of other countries that have you know, jumped up ahead of us in, in some ways uh, which, is, which is fine because, you know, we were so far ahead of the pack for a long time that I'm actually glad people are now catching up with the way we're doing things. It's not like we've fallen back. So um, can,
0: can you give us a couple of examples of what that implies?
1: Well, it's, it's in many ways the, the obvious things. You know, um, men and women are expected to have the, more or less the same salary for the same position. Um, you know, sometimes women are ahead, sometimes men are ahead. It's, you know, we there's never a one-to-one proportion. But, you know, most of the time things are fairly, uh, fairly even. Uh, men and women take out the same kind, uh, roughly the same amount of uh, days when they're on uh, parental leave. Um, it's not like men take two months and women take their 11 remaining months or their 14 remaining months. Um, so, you know, so things like that are very, very good. We, we have um, a lot of uh, women in... Um, a public office, and you know they represent the government. It's not like ten white guys and then one token woman. Um, but you know, obviously, there's still a long way to catch up, and we, um, it's it's difficult to say because we we have a very strong feminist movement in Sweden, and um, for some people, it's become a little bit too aggressive. Um, I'm not one of those. I, I consider them to be very wide and varied, but. There, there is this general impression that as soon as people start talking about feminism in Sweden, there is nowadays um, a lot of eye rolling, which kind of annoys me because there are still things that need to be done. Uh, there are still things that need to be fixed, but th- there's way too often that people, you know... Um, like there, there was this huge debate on, um, uh, in the media just last, uh, last winter where they were talking about, you know, when, when the snow comes... And we need to start removing the snow from the streets and the sidewalks and so on. There was a a feminist approach to this discussion. Do we take it off of the streets, which are mainly driven, uh, which are mainly patrolled by cars, which are driven by men, or do we take it from the sideways, which are mainly walked on by women? (laughs) Women use the sideways to take their children to school in the morning. Men use the the roads to drive to work in the morning.
0: So wait, already here, if it is the case that women take the kids to school and, and men drive to work... In, in significant uh, you know, proportions that it can be talked about that way. There is, so that's where you're coming from when you're saying there's, there are still things to be done, is that it? Absolutely. I mean, right. there,
1: there's never going to be a 50-50 in anything. It's, it's always going to shift back and forth. And even though we might be more equal in many ways than other countries, uh, I, I don't think any country ever will be 100% exactly equal You're going to have to abandon the entire concept of gender if you want to reach any kind of equality. Um, But, you know, things shift back and forth. You know, every every now and again, something happens that, you know, something happens.
0: Um, So... Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you with the, the story about the snow plowing. Um, right.
1: So, so there, there was this huge debate then uh, about uh, plowing the streets, you know, whether to plow the, the sidewalks first so that, you know, so that women can take their ch- uh, kids to school in the morning and so on, or whether to plow the main streets so that men can drive to work and that business can operate and you know, um, deliveries and so on can, can work out fine. And um, when the debate started approaching this kind of territory there was a lot of just general eye rolling in society because people were thinking that yeah you know feminism is fine we we want men and women to have the same salary we want men and women to have the same kind of representation but once we're talking about these kinds of things it's just silly that that was very I, It much feels a little
0: bit silly stuff. to me I have to say and I am a very you know convinced feminist and I don't know if it's if it feels silly to me because I just it did, It has never entered my sphere of consciousness, or if it's because it's actually silly it, uh,
1: I, I think it is actually silly um, okay <laughs>
0: because,
1: and there have been so many examples of this like um the the entire there was a discussion about gendered haircuts. So you know you you shouldn't cut your kid's hair in in a specific way because that genders them to be a male haircut or a female haircut and so
0: on. You know, and- actually, we we my wife. Sorry, I keep referring to her, but she is from the Nordic region. She is horrified at the toys that are sold in um in in the toy stores in France because they are very gendered. You know, you yeah. have the princesses for the girls and the uh, construction things and superheroes for the boys. And that I kind of understand, but uh, haircuts, maybe mm-hmm. that's going a little bit too far, but um, yeah.
1: yeah. So it, it's, you know, it's it's kind of um, striking back against them. The, the movement has good force and there, there's a lot of great representation in feminism here in Sweden. But I, I just get the impression that it's it, a lot of people get the impression that it's being shoehorned in where it doesn't belong. And I can absolutely understand why a lot of people are just fatigued by the entire debate.
0: So if we go to the funny side of things, have you ever experienced either, you know, non-Scandinavians getting to, to Sweden and Having a kind of experience where I don't know, I'm going to say something silly, but they hold the door for a woman, and that woman is, you know, outraged at the fact that they would hold the door, or other the other way around, some a, a male or, or a female in another country that gets something wrong in that department.
1: Not so much, actually. Um, it, it's not something that I've um, that I've noticed very much of, um, even though even though everybody is you know, a proponent of equality here in Sweden. I, I think the, the traditional gender roles and the traditional gender um, actions and so on are just too ingrained in people still via, you know, movies and popular culture that a lot of people don't stop and react. Um, I, I think it's only a very small set of people that actually stops and reacts and goes, oh, wait a second, that, that was actually pretty gendered or that was actually pretty, uh, um, um, you know, uh, gender stereotyped or whatever. Um, so most most people don't stop and think i think
0: so do you can you buy a girl a drink uh, in a bar or do you risk being uh you know assaulted and conversely will a woman regularly you know buy a drink to to men and that is just the way it goes
1: I think we're still um, a far way away from that kind of gender equality. Uh, Oh, wow. I I was sure you
0: were going to say it it happened all the time.
1: There is still the expectation of um, men buying drinks for women and men holding the door for open for women and so on. But there's a lot less of taking it for granted. Uh, I I think if, if a man and a woman go on a date in Sweden, it's their first date together and they go to a restaurant. And if they haven't said anything, she probably will offer to pay her half. Um, but if he says, you know, I, it's, it's, it's fine. It's on me. She'll probably be fine with it as well. Um, And
0: does it happen then that the woman says it's fine, it's on me? Well, it's never happened
1: to me, but then (laughs) I I am a very, um, wealthy IT professional. So, (laughs) you know, it's always been obvious for me to be the, the guy who pays.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, I suppose it does happen. I mean, I've, um.
0: Right, it's not like it's not like it's outrageous that you offered to pay and you wouldn't be, you know, very surprised if a woman said it's okay, I'll take it this time.
1: Right, no, that that wouldn't be strange at all. Okay. Um
0: all right, let's move on to uh Facebook questions. I went to Facebook and said I was going to to do this uh we were going to do this episode today and we got a, a number of pretty interesting questions. Um the first one I want to go with is one from Natalie, a friend of mine uh, hi natalie if you 're listening um, so she 's going to be going to to Sweden in February for the first time, and um, she is asking first of all, what is the advice the one advice you 'd give someone who's never been there, and uh, maybe as it relates to something I was mentioning earlier uh, what happens when the days become so short what do people do do they go to sleep earlier do they go out you know um anything to to say about that and again the advice uh, to give someone who wants to get the feel of the country the fastest
1: right um sure natalie that that's it's a very good question and i would have to say it depends a lot on where in sweden you're going Um, I'm assuming now that you're going to one of the, you know, three or four major cities like Stockholm, Malmo, Copenhagen, uh, sorry, um, 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 uh, Gothenburg or, you know, one of the major cities. Um, And there's a lot of places to go there. There's restaurants, there's museums, uh, Swedes love museums for some reason, but they're all in the biggest cities, which, again, is another one of these tax things. People all over Sweden are paying a lot of tax to keep our museums going, and the museums are only located in the three largest cities. Again, you know, one of these things anyway um so yeah museums and so on um regarding the the short light time during the day you're coming in february so a little bit depending on when in february because february is kind of when it starts to change um but you're still going to be expecting it to get dark by six in the evening and stay dark until maybe not too bad well you know it it gets dark fairly quickly and it's probably Mm. very dark by six I mean, it's it's November tenth right now, and it's pitch black outside, and it's only seven in the evening.
0: No, so. you know that's that's the same uh, here in Paris. Actually, I think it's really horrible in December. You know, in end of no- November until early January, I would guess. Uh, February is already similar to what happens in uh, latitudes like the one of Paris. So
1: right. If I were to Google um, Sunset Paris and Sunset Sweden, which um, tells you exactly when things happen, um, Sunset Paris gives me 5.17 p.m., which sounds about right. Um, Sunset Sweden gives me 3.31 p.m. Oh,
0: my God. Okay, all right. You win this one. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we we had Sunset a a good two hours earlier than you did today.
0: Okay. So, okay, so what do people do when there's no sun? Um, One of the best... Things
1: to do to understand Sweden is something that we call the fika. And um, all the Greeks in the world are giggling right now because that means something completely different in their language. Okay. Um, fika is basically going for coffee and um, um, biscuits or coffee and bread or coffee and um, baked goods in general. Um, or, you know, it could be, you know, warm chocolate or something on those lines. Swedes love going to cafes and sitting down, talking to each other, spending a lot of time in cafes. And... Um, Depending on where in Sweden you are, again, if you're in one of the bigger cities, Stockholm, uh, Gothenburg or Malmo, there's going to be cafes everywhere. And they're all, you know, brightly lit, they're all friendly, there's music in the background. It's it's almost a very, you know, I would almost call it a French atmosphere, although the cafe cafe culture is slightly different. The entire idea of having a cafe culture is very similar. Um, so that's definitely something you could you could try. So to, sit down to and do.
0: have and have coffee. Or
1: yes, especially if, if you're there with a friend or if you're visiting someone here or if you, you know, get to know someone while you're here, go to a cafe together. Just sit and talk. Um, mm-hmm. And regarding the go to sleep earlier, generally, no, I, I wouldn't think so. Um, but there is a lot of um, um, seasonal affective disorder here in Sweden. People do get tired earlier because, you know, it, it's dark and the body doesn't know when it's supposed to be awake or not.
0: Do people use those uh, daylight lamps?
1: There's a little bit of that going around. Uh, Not as much as I would have expected, actually. I mean, even in places like San Francisco, where it's, you know, nice and summery all year round, there people use them more than here. Um, I I think it's just not something that's actually just made a big splash here in Sweden. Um, But there's there's even, you know, uh, most people don't supplement vitamin D, even though... Oh, that's
0: what I was going to ask, yeah.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we only get enough sun about, uh, I don't know, three to four months a year. Uh, in order to fill the actual dietary need of, uh, of vitamin D. So people should be supplementing. Come on, people. 10,000 international units every day.
0: Okay. So you do it. I, is I understand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, a question from Guillaume uh, on Facebook again. What is something that foreigners are always surprised by?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I think a lot of foreigners are surprised by the, uh, the generally high level of Swedish that, that people speak. Um, because most people travel around the world and they go to various countries and they, they try to ask a question in English and they, they get confused stares back at them. Unless, of course, they're going oh, to you, English-speaking you countries.
0: You mean, you mean English? You
1: said Swedish. Oh, sorry, yes. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, okay, okay. English, yes. Yeah. Uh, but here in Sweden, uh, most people generally have a very good understanding and uh, uh, ability to answer people in English. Um, I would suppose generally that maybe the vocabulary is a little bit lacking, um, but generally people just understand English and they, they speak English. And this is something that's true of most generations. It's not like when I uh, I spent five weeks in Japan and... Asking anybody something in English was, was a nightmare unless they were about 25 years or younger.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is surprising how well everyone speaks English, in, uh, at least in Finland, and I hear Sweden is basically the same thing.
1: Hmm. Um, there is the accent, of course, to speak about. I mean, most Swedes are, you know, yes, I am from Sweden, and this <laughs> is the Swedish accent, and it is always like this. And it's I love difficult. this.
0: I love the Swedish accent. It's so, <laughs> so cute. So cute. It, it really is. Uh, you know, actually, I have to. I, this made me think of the Nobel uh, dinner, um, the Nobel Prize dinner that my wife makes me watch every year. Uh, and that is actually, I've taken a liking to it. It's really interesting. There's the uh, Nobel Prize dinner and the King's something. I can't remember what it is, the King's dinner um the, so the nobel ceremony and the king's dinner and watching the swedes on tv is very weird because they look like robots oh it's, yeah yeah I, I, you know they're so made up and they look like i don't know they they have a certain type of smile and a certain type of face expression and that is the way they look and it doesn't feel natural it doesn't seem natural Mm. This goes back to um,
1: what I was talking about earlier in that Swedes are very reserved. Um, Swedes, you know, they, we don't talk to strangers unless we're being asked for directions, like I said. And this, this comes through in, in a lot of social circumstances, especially when there's a lot of people around you who you don't know. Um, Swedes become very... Um, Know, almost aloof, um, they very, very closed up and um, introverted in themselves. And they're not being rude at all. I mean, they just don't know how to deal with people. It's not like, you know, the, the Swede is not going to be the guy who walks into a party and goes, hey, how's everyone doing? Come on, guys. What's up? Hey, have a drink. No, this, the Swede is the guy who walks into the room and stands in the corner and observes people until he maybe spots someone he knows since earlier. And then he starts talking to that one person. And maybe, he, he hopes for, for dear life, that maybe that person will introduce him to somebody else.
0: You're so cute, you Swedes. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's something super interesting that most people don't know about Sweden's, uh, Swedish society, culture, or history? Again, I have a bunch of questions from Guillaume here, so I'm going to go through them.
1: Something super interesting. Well, um, Sweden is a very old country. Um, it's... Um,
0: Oh, well, people know that.
1: Yeah, you, you can, you know, date Sweden back to, you know, way, 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 way back. And uh, what many people don't know is we used to own countries like Finland and Norway. We we used to have um, a, a vast army. I mean, we've, uh, you know, like every major country, we, we've invaded Poland at some point. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, one of these things we do. It's kind of a large club, right? Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's a rite of passage. If you want to be a real country, you've got to invade Poland at some point <laughs> in your history.
0: Okay, so uh, uh, basically, was it an empire?
1: In in some ways, we we were never a colonial power in in any kind of way, but we were absolutely um, a force to be reckoned with. I mean, we we fought Russia, we fought Poland, we we were part of the entire circle of European countries that had massive armies and did interesting things. And um, it's it's not really until the you know the seventeen hundreds and the eighteen hundreds that Swedes started falling back on that and became more you know, isolated and started focusing more on the, the innards of the country and, uh, you know, started building up industry instead and trade rather than military conquest. But we, we used to be, a, you know, a force to be reckoned with.
0: Um, he also says, it seems that there's a lot of computer geeks and video game nerds uh, in Sweden, maybe more than in other countries. Is mm. that the case or?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I think the reason for this is that we were very early with um, internet penetration everywhere. Um, the, there was a huge push for for the internet in the you know early to mid '90s. Um, my first internet connection, I, I had that in 1994, which is a at lot home, earlier. You mean? Yeah, at home. Yeah, mm. which is a lot earlier than than many of my friends uh, in other countries had, and we we were up at you know very high speeds fairly early as well. So the the entire idea of being connected has has always been very strong in Sweden, um, or at least ever since the 90s and the internet revolution. And, and I think it just became a very natural part of society um, when that started happening. You know, we, we all hang out on computers and since it's dark and there are long distances between us, people would hang out on social networks that were, you know, they were already a big thing in Sweden in the late 90s. Mm. And since everybody was hanging out on computers, it was, you know, impossible not to start to learn other things um, whether that be programming or websites or gaming or whatever. So I, I think it's to a large extent thanks to the internet that um, people just started sitting in front of computers a lot more than in many other countries.
0: And that fast-building infrastructure that you you kind of mentioned here, um, is, I'm guessing that's also uh, uh, an effect of the socialist organization of society where the government was like, holy crap, this is going to be big. We need to all be wired because it's going to, you know, boost our economy. There's there's definitely an
1: aspect of that, yeah. Um, and then um, during the uh, the mid to late 90s, there was a lot of private industry as well because people started noticing that th- this internet thing, that this was going to be big. So we, I mean, we had these IT companies showing up in Sweden and that, you know, they, they all suffered the same fate when the boom happened later on, of course. But we, we had a huge IT industry. And it's no surprise, really, that companies like Spotify and, Sp- and um, Skype and so on, they, they have an origin here in Sweden. Because, mm. you know, people, people were doing their thing and they were, you know, playing around with computers. But yeah. Um, but yes, to, to a certain extent, there, there absolutely was a, um, a social welfare kind of idea here that people should have the should have the internet because that makes them able to do things that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise.
0: Um, all right. There, there have been a couple of questions about uh, immigration as well. Um, Sean, uh, another good friend, um, was asking, uh, I've heard great things about how Sweden and other countries in the region take care of their citizens, but I've also heard they are able to do this Uh, because of tough immigration laws. And he has no idea if it's true, but he'd be interested in knowing. There are a couple more um, questions kind of in the same vein uh, from Aaron and Susanna, um, who are asking basically... uh, Sorry, just reading again... For most of its history, it's been exclusively populated by people with nearly identical cultures, uh, and maybe the success uh, Sweden has achieved might not have uh, happened uh, otherwise. Um, And he's talking about this particularly in light of the European and Northern European responses to the migration crisis, etc., etc. So there's a couple of questions in there about uh, uh, homogenized society and uh, the relationship with immigration, not just now, but maybe in the past as well.
1: Right. Um, the, the idea that Sweden is successful because we've traditionally been a very homogenous society, I, I think, is a mis, uh, misconception. Um, most countries have been homogenized through most of their history. Um, Sweden was a success story because we're a big country. We, we have um, good shipping lanes towards Eastern Europe and Poland and uh, to, to Denmark, we were close friends with Norway that has a lot of oil. We have a lot of forests, which fuels our industry and gives us, you know, really cheap wood. Um, I mean, there, it's no surprise that IKEA was born in Sweden. It's, it's not because he had a good idea. No, it's because lumber was cheap. Lumber was really, really cheap here in Sweden. Um, and immigration really didn't start picking up until very, very recently. And... Um, we, we've had immigration, of course, ever since the 1600s. I mean, we, we had merchants coming to Sweden. We had uh, people coming in from all kinds of places and all around the world. Um, in the 60s and 70s, we had a lot of immigration from Eastern Europe, uh, mainly trades, uh, tradescraft, you know, people who wanted to follow a specific trade that they couldn't follow in their home country for one reason or another. Um, and then, you know, most recently, we've had a lot of uh, immigration also from, you know, war-torn regions of the world where... We feel that we have a humanitarian reason to help them. Um, we, you know, we have a lot of great things going on for us here in Sweden. And um, it, it would just be selfish not to share them with other people.
0: That's, you know, it seems very different from the approach Finland has been having with immigration, from what I understand, uh, in the past few years and, you know, in its history. Um, h- how... Do you... (laughs) That's another question we got on Facebook. Uh, How would you describe your relationship with the Finns? It's complicated. Um, uh, Most
1: people here in Sweden, uh, at least people who live in the southern half of Sweden and who who aren't exposed to Finns regularly, um, they basically have this preconceived notions that Finns are um, quiet, reserved, even by Swedish standards, um, a little bit depressed, uh, drink a lot um i can confirm like some of those stereotypes oh absolutely i i, I mean it, it's it's the there, there's this swedish joke that um unfortunately not a lot of people have heard but everybody who's heard it thinks it's it's the best okay it's you know norwegian people cannot be sad because this is how a norwegian person sounds when he said <laughs> that's me in norwegian saying i'm so depressed and similarly, okay. a Finn cannot be happy because this is a Finn saying, I'm happy. Jag är så glad.
0: <laughs> you know what? That actually does sound like a, a Swedish-speaking Finn. Yeah, it, it does.
1: Yeah. Jag är så glad. Det är den dagen.
0: <laughs> this First. is
1: the best day. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there, there's a lot of that going on. And I, I think to to a certain extent... We, we are shaped by the language we choose and the sorry, the, the language we, we uh, speak. And well, in, uh, in Finland,
0: they 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 most of them speak Finnish, so
1: yeah, absolutely. And um, Finnish is a very monotonous language in many ways, it doesn't have the same kind of melody that English has, for example, or French has, uh, it, it doesn't have the same um, um, nuance or to expression that some other languages have. It, it, it's it's a very it's a very interesting language. I mean, the Urgrian the Finnish language roots are, are extremely interesting. And th- there's no surprise that Tolkien studied it extensively when he was creating his elven languages. But um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a happy language. And I think a lot of um, Swedes get the impression that because it doesn't sound happy, then Finns aren't happy.
0: Well, I think they are, sometimes they have to, you know, instill the happiness in their uh, daily life with a little bit of alcohol sometimes. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, and they also have a lot of uh, uh, Pekka in the forest with uh, <laughs> with his uh, knife and uh, the monotony of his life. Pekka McNeven. Exactly. Um, so another question in that same vein um what is the relationship that... Because, okay, I'm going to be honest and maybe a little bit too brutally honest um with you. Before I met my Nordic wife, I sort of didn't really know what was up there in the north of europe it was kind of yeah i know there's the guys that make ikea and you know and the legos but which one is denmark which one is norway which one is sweden i'm not too sure i don't i didn't really think of it all that much so how do the swedes think and look at uh those countries in the south right um Sure, gotcha. Um, generally, the, the the Swedish impression. Let's
1: start with the neighboring countries. The, I've mentioned Finland. The, the the neighboring country of Norway. We we have this impression that they all wear their um you know their uh, knitted sweaters and they go on long walks in the woods and they have a, a lot of oil.
0: Um, so, you, just before even we go further, you're absolutely <laughs> confirming, and this is going to sound so condescending, but I'm doing it on purpose. You're confirming that. The different countries that make up Scandinavia and more generally the Nordic region are very different countries. It's not the same people in different places in that whole region.
1: No, we we have very different, um, both culturally, politically and socially. We we have a very different uh, mentality. Um, I mean, there's no surprise that a lot of nurses just go from Sweden to Norway. They, They do their training here. They start working here. They get bored and then they go to Norway and work as nurses there. Because the uh, the job is just simply better. It's better paid. The hours are better, and so on. Um, and that's that's because of you know fundamental political differences in the countries.
0: Really, I thought nurses had a you know there was an excellent status for nurses in Sweden already.
1: No, it's it's actually fairly terrible. My uh, my former fiance was a nurse, and um, I would hear horror stories daily. Uh, the salary she got was you know I, I can't imagine anybody living off of that kind of salary. And um, I, most nurses in Sweden, they don't work full-time even. They, they they, fall down to 80 or 75% because the job is simply, you know, too difficult.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. Keep going. I'm, with I'm, the... hearing
1: a, I'm hearing a lot of similar things coming from teachers as well nowadays.
0: That is absolutely not what I would have thought of when I was thinking about Sweden. It's, I mean, you do put an emphasis, as you said, on social services and... I would have thought that this was all taken care of because that's some of the problems we have here in, in France as well. But uh, I don't know, maybe it's more pronounced here. Maybe it's not as bad. I, I think there's a tendency as well. And you'll tell me if that you know makes sense. But I think there's a tendency when you're in a specific country to look at the situation in your country and point out, out the faults and the issues And not realize that things might be worse in, you know, other countries. And that's kind of what I thought of Sweden. You know, I thought it's actually better than France. But when the Swedes think of it, they're like, oh, this isn't, you know, this doesn't work and this isn't right. And, you know, is that... Does that make sense? Or? Oh, no, absolutely. It, it makes
1: perfect sense. Um, <laughs> so you're I saying,
0: mean, oh, yeah, of course, we're better than France. Who is it? But- <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah.
1: No, uh, what I mean is it, it's very easy here in Sweden to say, oh, grr, the, the government takes too much of my money when I get my salary check. Or, grr, you know, and we, we forget that in other countries people are being killed because they belong to the wrong religion or something. Um, so, so obviously, we, it is very easy to focus on your own very narrow niche area of problems. Um, and, you know, traditionally, we have had a pretty high standard of both education and healthcare. And now for various reasons, I mean, both due to um, the political climate, the, the increased pressure on the welfare system and so on, um, these things aren't as good anymore. And there has been a bigger push towards moving things into the private sector. There's, but, there's but they're still-, still
0: better than in most other countries, aren't they? It kind of
1: depends on how you look at things. I mean, Sweden has been trailing pretty far behind when it comes to the PISA scores in uh, schooling. So um, Swedish kids are just not as good at math as they used to be. Uh, We're we're trailing far behind the European average now even.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: And uh, th- there are various explanations for this. And, you know, depending on if you have an agenda or not, then you will find one or another reason. Some people say that it's because of the, you know, the privatization of certain schools and there's no control and they just want to earn money. Other people say, oh, it's because the immigrants are coming here and they don't have any math skills and they're bringing our average down. And, you know, mm. all of these people have their own agendas. And um, you, you can't really trust any one of them because there is this agenda, like I said, um, but yeah, Sweden has been trailing behind on a couple of the major, you know, social welfare um, factors. Um, you know, people don't get as large a pension as they used to or state pension. People, you know, can't expect the same, um, amazing schooling, you know, on international levels as, as they used to. It's still good. I mean, by all means, you know, we're, we're not Uzbekistan. Sorry, Uzbekistan. <laughs> um, no, but uh, you
0: know, I'm not even, I'm talking about countries in the similar um, economic state, I'm talking about the other countries in, you know, countries in Europe and those kinds of, uh, uh, those kinds of comparison. Obviously, if you're going to compare them to third world countries, it's going to be no contest, but... Um. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we are in many ways on a similar level as, as mo- most of the Scandinavian or Nordic countries. I mean, Iceland is falling behind due to the crisis. We, we have huge educational and um, especially healthcare problems in Iceland um, Norway has a pretty good healthcare system going on. I'm not sure how their schooling is, um, but I'm, I'm expecting it to be on par or better than Sweden. Um, mm. Denmark, um, probably very similar story as to Sweden. It's fallen behind somewhat, maybe not as much. Um, mainly because, you know, Denmark has, um, they have different laws and regulations when it comes to um, how they do their social welfare systems. They have a more central European system while the, the Scandinavian model um, doesn't apply as much to, to Denmark.
0: Okay. All right, let's... You know,
1: Denmark, Denmark is a lot more German than it is Swedish, if we put it that way.
0: I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. But, uh, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> um, okay, so just to, to conclude this, uh, this discussion, um, if you can continue on the, how you look at the, the south of, uh, you know, well central europe or the south uh, neighbors for you um you know france italy germany all of that and then maybe uh, tell us how you look at the u.s right
1: um well starting with the small well, central and southern europe uh, there's a lot of this impression that um it's generally a, a lazy culture there there's this um, you know the the old impression of france or uh, sorry spain having this siesta and uh, French people just eating baguettes and going ha ha ha. You know, it, it's kind of the the American <laughs> model of things. There is right. still a lot of that. We still, you know, we still do look at France as you know that's where you go for culture in Europe. Mm. It, it's it's the old cultural home of Europe, um, and that kind of impression has existed for a long time. Swedes. Um, Swedes used to be very good friends with France. I mean, back in the uh, 15 and 1600s, wow. we were really close allies. Uh, I mean, our, our king at the time was basically French. Yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah he, he lived in France most of his life, even though he ruled Sweden. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, um, cultural exchange and so on. And we, you know, Swede, Swedish has changed a lot, the language even, due to our close relationship with French. Mm. Uh, with, okay. with France, sorry. Um, yeah. But, but I, I still think there is this impression that if, if you're south of, say, Germany, uh, Czech Republic and Austria, if, or Switzerland even, if you're south of that line, you're probably lazy. You, you probably relax too much. You probably expect things to be taken care of for you in one way or another.
0: Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting because that, to me, is a criticism people make of socialism, Yeah, but it seems like that's not how you guys approach socialism, no, um, th-
1: this was, um, it was very obvious back in um, the, uh, the summer during the Greek economic meltdown. Um, because a lot of people here in Sweden were looking at Greece and going, what, they borrowed a lot of money and now they can't take care of themselves and they want to borrow more money? Ugh, lazy bastards. Mm. You know, there, there was very much that kind of impression. You know, you, they, they can't be trusted with money. Ugh, they, you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're just primitive. <laughs> not, not necessarily those kinds of words, but it was very no, but much I that yeah. kind of feeling. Mm. And um, you know, many people look at Italy and go, "They can't keep a government for more than eighteen months. What are they, heathens?" (laughs) Which you know,
0: you know, it's funny because I think for some reason, and maybe it's different in the southern hemisphere, but everyone has this image of the people in the south compared to themselves. I mean, that's probably the way we we the same kind of feeling we have towards. Italy, Spain, to an extent, and of course it's not generalized, but, you know, there's this kind of diffuse feeling where, like, the people in the South are lazier and the people in the North are those crazy robots.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, there, there is very much of that.
0: Mm. And and so your image of the
1: US? Um, most people's exposure to the United States is is through media. So we, we get this entire, you know... Um, we get Hollywood, but we also get the news of, you know, school shootings and so on. And a lot of people don't really understand what's going on in the United States. And we, we do get a very narrow impression. Most of the time when we see a news story, it's because something terrible has happened. So we, we don't, yeah, it's not nuanced at all. Nuanced at all. Um, Sweden has very strict gun control laws. You know, it, it's very rare for people to own guns. And most people who own guns are hunters that own a lot of guns. So even if there is a large gun per person ratio in Sweden, most people never touch a gun through their entire lives. Most people don't even see a gun throughout their entire lives. So we, we have a very hard time understanding, you know, that kind of thing. And most people get the impression that, you know, the, the US is still a little bit of this Wild West that, you know, anything goes and people can't be trusted and um, it, we're looking at the, the current, um, um, you know, the presidential debates that are starting up, um, and we're, we're looking at things like what they, they put Donald Trump in there as, as a joke, maybe, <laughs> you know, th- there's a, there's a lot of that. It's, it's like, yeah, the U S it's, it's still just a teenager. I mean, this country is what, 300 something years. Yeah. They'll grow up eventually. Mm, uh, th- there's a lot of that kind of, you know, kind of patronizing Von Ober expression, uh, or impression here from, from Europe
0: okay um last question how where would you like your children where would you recommend people who have i I don't know how to ask the question i I was gonna say where would you want your children to grow up is it sweden or not and if you know in both cases why
1: ah good question um if if i could pick where i would grow up at the moment which is probably what i'm going to be answering for my children. Um, I would probably say Sweden um, at the moment, or at least stockholm which is which is where I live, um, because it 's where I have the most experience. Uh, most of Sweden is you know fairly um, unpopulated there 's only a, a couple of major cities and then you know a few dozen minor cities, and then everything else is just forests basically uh, but yes I, w- I would like to see my children grow up in in Stockholm, um, but it also depends very much on the future political movement in sweden i personally i i'm pretty scared that we're moving more and more back towards the old socialist mentality that in in so many ways hampered our um, financial development and hampered our trade with other countries hampered our you know relationship with other countries we you know when world war Two started we just closed up shop and said all right just you guys settle this we're not going to touch it we're not going to be there um, when there was war in the Balkans, we, you know, we hardly did anything. And I don't know, some people might say we're neutral to a, to a fault and I, I might agree. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Stockholm, absolutely. Um, barring that, I mean, th- there's a lot of great stuff going around near Sweden. Um, I'm a huge fan of Estonia. They're, uh, growing quickly. They, they have a, a, a booming industry. They have a very interesting political system going on. Uh, you know, flat taxes, and everything—very, very impressive. Uh, but barring that, I would probably
0: end up on the west coast of the U.S. Hmm. Okay, interesting. But yeah, just to to mention about Estonia, mm-hmm. you're not the first person putting it as a, putting it out as an example of a very interesting growing country that has a lot of uh, assets. And, uh, you know, I've heard this from multiple people, and I think Estonia is a very interesting, uh, well, example of former Eastern European uh, society that Mm -hmm. managed to get out of the the issues it had in a very spectacular way. I think it might need to get uh, a little bit more uh, interested in Estonia in the coming years.
1: Yeah. Uh, Estonia, is, it's, it's a fascinating place. I mean, its a, it's got a population of less than one and a half million people. It's tiny. I mean, there are US states that are twice this size, three times this size. Um, and they're so close to St. Petersburg. They're so close to Moscow. So they've been feeling a little bit of worry, you know, what with, <laughs> what's with what been happening in Georgia, the Ukraine and so on. Um, they're, they're so close to Belarus and Latvia that... You know, Belarus is a traditional friend of, of Russia, so you know, Russia's never going to invade Belarus, so they don't have to worry. But Latvia, Estonia, I don't know, maybe they're a little bit worried because they are that close. Um, and you know, they are essentially just the only... They're, those two countries, Estonia and Latvia, they're essentially the only two countries um, that are between Sweden and Moscow or Sweden and Russia. Um, you know, if you don't count Kaliningrad, which is this small little Russian...
0: Yeah, um, that doesn't count, basically.
1: It, it's, it's a weird place. I, I don't know what to think of Kaliningrad. I, I had this huge fascination with Kaliningrad about a year ago, um, looking into their old German history, their Polish history, and now their current Russian oblast state
0: all right well what I took away from all of this is that you would still like your children to grow up in in Stockholm so that they must be doing something good in there oh absolutely and <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful city I mean we we are
1: a city of rivers a city of lakes a city of islands and um, it's you know, it's a, it's a comfortable city. It's grown up since the, um, I don't know, 1400s, There, You know, most of the city was built in the 1600s. We've never had any significant war to, you know, tear down the city. So we had to build it back up again. There are a couple of places that have been touched a little bit by war. But, you know, most of the time that's just, you know, hey, look at that. There's a cannonball still stuck in the side of the building. <laughs> You know, it's that kind of thing. So, you know, we are an old city and there's there's a lovely touch of the old and the new meeting in in many places. And if you're ever in Stockholm, people, you know, look me up. I will be more than happy to guide you around or show you
0: the sites. Excellent. Well, if they want to do that, what would be the best way for them to get in touch?
1: The best way is probably uh, Twitter. I'm at T. that's B-R-E-K-I-T, as in uh, my surname, Thomason.
0: Excellent. Uh, and uh, what, what are you up to? You, you were mentioning your podcasting network earlier. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. Um, I, um, I launched
1: a podcasting network back in January of 2011. It's called the Saicon Podcasting Network, C-S-I-C-O-N. And uh, basically what we do, it's, it's very similar to you know, what you see over at Frog Pants or Twit or 5 by 5 We have our own little narrow piece of geek culture. So we talk about MMOs, we talk about movies, we talk about comic books, we talk about um, we have a, a daily or a week daily rather um, news show similar to Tom Merritt's tech news show, but more instead of tech news, it's more geek culture news. So every, every single morning I record a show called Geek Days, um, 10 to 15 minutes worth of geek culture. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that and we're still growing. We've, um, we've actually more than doubled now during, uh, during this past year in uh, listener numbers and so on. And uh yeah we're just looking forward to uh, a great 2016 and hoping to get even more listeners. So can you give us the email address again? Uh, the email address, the uh URL again? Sure, it's uh, net. c s i c o n .net.
0: Excellent, thank and, you. And
1: and here here's a little sneak preview that nobody knows except your listeners right now. Okay. As of, as of New Year's, we will be moving to FM.
0: Oh, well that is because Did you know
1: you? FM, that's what all the big podcasting networks do nowadays. I <laughs> is think. it? Uh, I I don't know. I relay FM is on FM, and there's uh, a couple yes. of other you know minor ones over at FM now. Maybe I mean, uh, should
0: try and, and think about that for my own then. Yeah, because mm. we
1: cause we know that over time, you know, as we grow and develop, we want to move into video content as well. And using the .net domain just wouldn't work. So we want to move into .fm for the audio component, and then .tv for the radio for the video component. Very smart. We do branding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you very much, Racky, for being Thank on the too. show. Uh, for me, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at NotPatrick. You can also find me on Facebook. It is also NotPatrick. And uh, you can go to frenchspin.com to get this episode you will find the notes there you will find uh, other shows including pixels which is a show about video games and uh, yeah that's going to be it for us we will be back in about a couple of weeks with a regular episode and until then i hope you enjoyed the show and uh, we'll see you then bye everyone